Welcome to Open to Hope Radio with your host, mother-daughter team, Dr. Gloria and Dr. Heidi Horsley. This show is brought to you by the Open to Hope Foundation with the mission of helping people find hope after loss. This show has been edited for your convenience. Now, Open to Hope Radio. Our first guest today, as my mom said, is Jean Reagan, and our topic is sibling loss. Jean Reagan's son, John, died of a drug overdose in 2005 at the age of 19, leaving a sister, Jane. Jean wrote, Always My Brother, a book to support her daughter and other siblings dealing with loss. Welcome to the show, Jean. Thank you for having me. Hi, Jean. It's great to have you on the show. Well, I w- we were just talking because you're out. Uh, you're a volunteer forest ranger in Wyoming, right? Right. I'm a park. I work for the Grand Teton National Park in the summer as a volunteer. Uh, what a beautiful, wonderful place to be. Yeah, thank you. And I would we, think it would also be a healing place to be. It is, and we've been doing this for nine summers, which means our son was also part of this community. So everybody here knows him, and I can casually mention his name and people understand who I'm talking about. So that's a nice healing fact. Oh, yes, that is. We we love to give those names and have people know them. Can you talk a little bit about John and what happened? And it was, what, about four years ago? About four years ago, not quite four years. Um, he'd been struggling with drugs uh, seriously for about a year. And um, we saw great hope because he, as a 19-year-old, had decided to put himself into rehab. So he put himself into rehab and then came out and um, tried to do a, a day program. That didn't work, so once again, he put himself back in. Because as a 19-year-old, you know you don't have the legal right to force them into anything. Right. Um, so he put himself back into rehab, and then um, he was relapsing again. And as many people might know, if you have a drug-addicted person, coming out of rehab, they've been clean, so they're actually at a very, very vulnerable point. For overdose, and so um, we got a call um, that uh, he was not breathing, and um, so so that that's the, the way. Where, where was he? He was um, with his girlfriend at her house, and um, when we got the call, and driving in response, we didn't know the outcome, but my husband and I driving to the location said to each other, "We have to forgive each other for anything. We have to forgive." Um, any advice we've gotten, and we have to forgive our son. And when we got there, the firefighters met us outside with the news. And what kind of drug did he overdose on? He overdosed on um, a combination of heroin and um, cocaine. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm amazed that you were had the foresight to say we have to forgive while you were driving there. I yeah, we, we've been in therapy a lot with, um, you know, around our son's drug addiction. So we were kind of aware of the different possibilities. And, um, of course, we were in total shock. We, we mm-hmm. thought he was on the road to recovery. Um, right. But then we had to rush home to catch our daughter before she headed off to high school that morning. We had said we're headed off and we've gotten a um, call and, uh, you know, we'll, Rush back. So we had to rush back before she headed off to school. And as many people know, um, when you lose a child, that's difficult. Telling your remaining children that right. they have lost their sibling is is equally or uh, you know just as devastating. Right. It sounds well, like he had a, a, a tremendous drug problem. We had uh, a French Smith has also been on our show, and his son had a similar story. Right. You know where he where he came out of rehab and. Right. And uh, an overdose. It's, it's and a, he had a dangerous serious, He had a serious problem, but it was it was not a long time. So, 
um, I think you can spiral into a very dangerous drug situation in a very short time. Mm-hmm. I want to talk a little bit about Jane's book. Um, it's a lovely book called Always My Brother, and it really is a very compelling book talking about being, you know, setting it up at the first parts about being close to your brother and the fun things they did together and, and, um, and you know, how they got mad at each other, a little fight over soccer or whatever, and then moves on to the loss and then moves on at the end on how um, – uh, the the loss Jane how the family helps Jane uh, well it's Becky in the book sorry mm-hmm. Jane's your daughter now but it's Becky in the book how uh, a child has helped to move on and and how the child integrates starts begins to integrate the relationship uh, with the person she's lost into her life you've done a great job of uh, of showing that Jane thank you so much <laughs> it's really it's really a wonderful book if you've got a loss or if you're a school teacher or you know, um, whatever we've. I'm with my grandkids right now, and uh, we read it to them last night, and uh, they were all compelled and standing there listening to it. Right, Heidi? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. In fact, my daughter wanted you to read it several times to her. Yeah, oh. so they really enjoyed it. And it's not scary. It's a really nice way to initially introduce the concept of loss and death to children without scaring them and frightening them. That's another thing I liked about it. And one thing I really wanted is that the the illustrations, which I did not do, they were wonderfully done by um, Phyllis Cahill, but um, I wanted not gloomy, not gloomy, and I just think she did such a wonderful job of having soft colors. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so you've got beautiful pastel colors. Now, how will people get a hold of your book, Jane? Um, they can order it online. Um, they can order it through a bookstore. Um, it's in many libraries. Um, you know, there's lots of different ways. They can contact the publisher, Tilbury House. Um, it's readily available everywhere. That's great. All right. Well, um, let's talk a little bit about, Heidi, why don't you ask your question? Let's talk about your comment or whatever. Well, Jean touched on something in our first segment, and she said that I, one of the hardest things was telling her daughter, Jane, that her, her brother had died. And it's something that we haven't touched on a lot here, the concept that the pa- parents have to go and tell their surviving children. And I just wanted you to say a little more about that, Jean. Okay. Um, first of all, there's the initial telling, which really is a pretty, in our situation, she was headed off to high school. She says, I don't want to be around here. I want to leave. Um, so she went to school um, and then, of course, didn't make it through the day. But So that was a pretty quick, um, here's the facts, we're sorry. Um, and then, you know, as you know, you get surrounded in a um, surreal cocoon of people coming and going, things needed to be done to get ready for the memorial service and so on and so on. So you're in this surreal cocoon. So then after that settles down and you're kind of back to normal, which of course is not at all normal, that's when you get a chance, when we got a chance to talk to our daughter again. And, and Jean, I think you said something about, I'm sorry that this happened or that we yeah, didn't save I, him or something. At one point, I, you know, I sat down with her and it, with tears coming from both of us, I said, I am so sorry we could not save your brother because um, ultimately a parent's job, it feels like, is to keep your children safe. And, and, and when I you think have a death, no matter what the cause, mm-hmm. you feel like you didn't do your job. And not only did you fail for you, for the child you lost, but you couldn't save that sibling for your other children, or, or in our case, just a child. Right. And it's so interesting to hear that because the, I don't know if my mother remembers, but the very first thing she said to me, after I found out my brother was dead, I was, I was on the phone with her, is I'm so sorry I couldn't save him and that I didn't save him. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because both of you weren't even with 
your sons, and yet you still felt the need as a parent to have saved them. Right. Absolutely. Um, you know, no matter what the cause, I think you always feel like you should have done something, could have done something um, uh, to have changed the situation that caused it. And I think the important thing for our audience out there is to realize that this is a natural reaction, mm-hmm. that they're feeling of guilt and some shame I remember feeling, mm-hmm. you know, that this shouldn't have happened in our family. And my son was killed in an automobile accident. Mm-hmm. So, and I know there could be even more around some kind of a drug addiction or something like that, but everybody feels it. Yeah, and one thing my husband, um, who primarily wrote the obituary, was absolutely strong on was we're going to be honest about how he died. We are not ashamed of our son that he died of a drug overdose. Mm -hmm. We're proud of our son. And, you know, first of all, it's emotionally too difficult to hide why he died, Mm -hmm. but also we're just proud of him. And this is the reality. He, you know, he could have died of diabetes. He could have died of cancer. He died of a medical condition of drug addiction that we weren't able to get him into remission and keep him. So we, we, one of the first sentences in the obituary is is that. Well, Jean, two things I want to say to that. One is I totally commend you and congratulate you because you're saving lives every day by being honest with people about this. And secondly is that I hear over and over, and I heard it at Compassionate Friends, our siblings are not the way they died. They're much, much more than that. We Absolutely. knew them. I mean, I, you know, so even though no matter how they died, they're, they're bigger, they're more, they've got personalities, you know, they're people. And um, I love that you're out there, like I said, saving lives. <laughs> Thank you. And I wondered how Jane is dealing with being an only child. Um, it, it's hard. It changes the balance in a family. Um, and in my book, I refer to our family, and this is something that I actually said in therapy after our son died, I said um, our family now, from being a four-person family, now is three-person, and it feels like a three-legged dog. And then right away I said, wait a second, three-legged dogs always look so happy. You know, we don't feel happy. And so I actually incorporated that analogy in the book, Mm -hmm. and um, eventually you do become a surviving three-legged happy family. Um, But you always have that leg missing. so um, I think we've, we're to the point now, you know, where we're, um, we're a happier three-legged dog family. <laughs> mm-hmm. So uh, I wanted to ask you, I noticed that you grew up in Japan, mm-hmm. and I wondered if, it, have you been able to bring anything from that growing up? Is there anything that the Japanese have that, that is helpful for our grieving in the United States? Oh, that's an interesting question. Um, you know, I guess one thing is I feel, I think my experience there gives me the understanding that there's a universality of how we grieve and what losses we suffer. And so in that sense, it broadens my view, but it doesn't, I, I don't, I can't think of a second element that comes with that experience. But just, I know that, you know, that grieving, no matter what kind of grieving it is, whatever age of the child, whatever the cause of death, whatever the... Um, sibling arrangements, we all share that multiculturally um, and so on. So I think it gives me that perspective. So uh, are there any traditions that you have that you particularly like around John and the loss or that you find helpful? Um, on his birthday, we're always in, it's in the summer, August 2nd, um, we're in the Tetons. And so my husband and I generally go on a very, very long hike for the day, you know, eight, 19 miles or 20 miles oh. or whatever. 
And then my daughter traditionally goes on a backpacking trip by herself for that mm-hmm. night. Um, so that's something we've um, kind of naturally incorporated into our anniversary. Now, Heidi went on Outward Bound uh, how long after Scott died, Heidi? Three months. Oh, wow. And I can totally relate to your daughter going alone because the best part of that month survival program was the three-day solo I did, and no one wanted to do a solo but me. I couldn't wait to be alone for three days and three nights journaling and mm-hmm. reflecting on, you know, the last se- the 17 and a half years that I had my brother with me on the earth. Right. It was really healing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so talk about nature a little bit for us, Jane. You're out in it. What, uh, what would you say to people about finding something in nature? Um, nature is, is um, we always said about John, from when he was like two years old, he had good eyes for nature. Um, he's the kid that could find the cool bug or the, you know, the owl in the distance or something like that. So he was always a real nature-oriented kid, as a, our whole family. But he was the one that was kind of more mi- miraculous in what he could see and feel and experience. Um, and so us being in nature is a direct connection back to him, um, you know, and We've wandered all these hills here with him. So as we, um, we have lots of memories that are rooted in this location, in this community of people. And um, yeah, I'll talk a little bit about the community when you when you first came back after he died. Um, what was wonderful is we raised him in a community. Um, our children went to a cooperative, a parent cooperative elementary school. So. All those people knew him. Um, in Salt Lake City, Utah. In Salt Lake City, Utah. And then um, up in the Tetons, we have a, a ranger community that have all known him from when he was little. So it's just um, a great reinforcement. Um, um, I feel like it takes courage on people's part to approach you and say, hey, I went on a hike and I remembered, and they tell a story about John. Or um, I think that takes courage on their part. And um, I, I really appreciate it when they do that. How do you encourage him to do that? Just how by I, being open about how he died and talking about it yourself for our audience that's out there. I think we have to train people to feel like they can approach us. Right. I, I do, too. And one thing I hope my book does is that um, one scene in the book is the girl returns to school and her friends look away because they don't know what to say, mm-hmm. and she acknowledges herself, Becky, um, and I didn't know what to say either. And so I'm hoping... A scene like that in the book will help people realize, oh, yeah, we are feeling a little awkward here. Um, but, you know, let's be a little courageous and just, you know, say, hey, I thought about John today. Or and and the greatest gift you can give someone is a memory you have. Yes. I mean, I love when people come up and talk, talk about memories that they have of Scott. It's such a wonderful gift. Right. I agree. And it doesn't have to be a long, elaborate story of a memory. It can just be, you know, I saw a kid today and... The way he walked and bounced along as he walked reminded me of John. It can be just little things, glimpses, as I as I like to term glimpses of John. I love hearing about that. Oh, I like that glimpses of John. Jean, do you have one thing that you'd like to give a quick thought for our audience before we close the show segment? Um, you know what? It will get easier if you're very early in the grief process. I am so so sorry. Um, it will get easier. It will not. You will not plant a tree and get all better. Um, and and that's a, I, don't, I never want to offer a false hope, but mm-hmm. authentic hope. And I hope that's what my book does. It offers authentic hope. Um, oh, thank you so much for being on the show today, Jean. And hopefully you sometime when I get to Salt Lake City, I can look you up and we can have some coffee together. That would be lovely. I want to thank Jean Regan for being on our show. 
You have been listening to Open to Hope Radio. You can sign up for our newsletter, Facebook, and Twitter on our homepage at opentohope.com.